The reading is from Mark, <clears throat> Gospel in chapter 8. It's on 843 in the Pew Bible, the ESV Pew Bible, if you've got one. Follow along with me on the screen as well. Verse 11. The Pharisees came and began arguing with, with him as Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed deeply in his, in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given this generation. And he left them and got into the boat again and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. They had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Have your eye, Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves and the, for the 5,000, how many baskets of, of broken bread uh, did you take up? And they said 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you, did you take up? They said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? And they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him and said to him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the study of uh, Mark's gospel. And we come today to an admittedly curious passage where a blind man is brought to Jesus, and he prays for him, and he experiences a partial healing. And then Jesus prays again, and then his sight is fully restored. I remember first encountering that text as, you know, as a young person, hearing about this and Jesus having to pray twice and thinking, maybe Jesus just didn't have his A game going that day, you know, sort of a power outage or something happening. And I had to kind of press in, go a little stronger with things. But of course, that's not what's going on at all. Jesus is performing this miracle, and in every, every single time you see a miracle in Scripture, you have to remember that there's always a sign in the wonder. There's a message inside the miracle. He takes this man aside and he brings healing to him in two stages. And that's in reference to two events which have taken place, a, a double healing that's trying to get the attention of the disciples who are around him. Because he's taken this man outside the crowd and he's got him with just the disciples. And these disciples have encountered something a couple of times. And that's what he's trying to draw their attention to. And it's all tied to this series of questions which arises from the heart of Jesus towards his disciples. Really, in a kind of sense of almost anger, impatience, in a way, with where his disciples are at in this journey. Mark 8 is the halfway point in this gospel. So the disciples have been with Jesus and they're moving towards now Jerusalem. Mark 8 is the pivot point in the gospel. And he's going to begin to talk to them about his impending crucifixion. And they're not going to get it. 
they're not going to understand. They're not going to see it. And their inability to perceive is right at the heart of what's going on in this story. They can't see. They're the ones who are blind. This comes out for us here in Mark chapter 8 when Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples after a discussion with the Pharisees and he turns to them in the boat and he says to them, watch out, look, beware. Orate, blephete. It's a double, it's a double Greek word that, or a couple of words that mean, look, look, look out, look, look out, beware. If he was just using his hands, he'd have gone, see, you've got to see this. You've got to see this. What does he say that they need to see? He said, I need you to look out for a subtle danger, which is going to get you if you're not careful. The leaven. The leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And as soon as he said leaven, the disciples turned to each other and went, I don't think we brought enough bread. In the middle of an intensely spiritual communication, they were thinking about lunch, which is exactly what some of you may be doing at this very moment. And the point, of course, is that they're not so different from us, are they? You may be sitting there this morning in the middle of the message going, now what time does Costco open? I've got to get over there and pick up some stuff. The disciples are going, we, did you bring the bread? We got one loaf. I didn't bring any more. Did you bring any more? I didn't bring any more. He's talking about leaven. Oh man, we messed up. And this is right on the heels of the second time. It's in the first part of Mark where Jesus feeds thousands of people miraculously. And so when he overhears the disciples talking about their lack of bread, when they when he hears this, that they're not getting his spiritual warning, it says in verse 17, Jesus begins to ask them a series of questions. There are nine questions in increasing levels of exasperation. If you look at this, verse 17, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? There's a second question. Here's the third one. Are your hearts hardened? Here's the fourth one. Having eyes, do you not see? Here's the fifth one. Having ears, do you not hear? Here, here, here he comes again. Don't you remember? Here's number seven. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, uh, 12. And here's question nine. And the seven, the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets full of broken pieces were taken up after that? And they said, uh, seven. And he said, don't you understand? In other words, if I wanted to produce some bread, bread would not be a problem. And they get out of the boat and there's a blind guy. And Jesus says, come here. Watch this. Watch out. Beware. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod. Leaven in the Bible is neutral. It's a symbol that can be used of something both good or evil. To the good, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a, a woman takes a little bit 
hides it inside that lump of dough until it, it makes everything to flourish. To the bad, leaven can be like a little bit of sin which we just keep in our hearts and it begins to flavor everything else. It's a symbol of something that gets inside that's a catalyst that creates change. It shapes everything. And Jesus says, you've got to be aware of this leaven. You've got to watch for this. Don't you see this? The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, the leaven of religious hypocrisy and the leaven of political power and the marriage of those two. Hypocrite is a religious term. We use it all the time about people in religious circles. But really, in this day, it was just a term that was used for an actor. It was a common term for an actor. Somebody on a stage playing the part of someone they weren't. That's how the term was used. The Oscar for the best hypocrite in a leading role goes to. That's how they would use the term. It's somebody who's acting. You're playing a part. And Jesus said the Pharisees are playing a part. It's not really who they are. When Jesus talked about Phariseeism, he said, outside it looks good, but inside it's corrupt. He said the Pharisees, the Pharisees tie burdens on people, but won't lift a finger to, to lift the burden themselves. They, they make everybody do everything, but they won't do it. The Pharisees tithe down to minutia. The tiniest little detail. But they, they won't do anything to care for the poor. In other words, they keep the rules but miss the spirit. That's Phariseeism. Hypocrisy. Religious hypocrisy. Inherit political power. His seductive political power. Joining forces with the religious establishment to wipe out the gospel. Religious hypocrisy, political power, married together. Thank God that's not a problem today. Oh, wait. Beware. Watch out. Watch out for this. Because if this gets inside of you, it's going to do something. Jesus presses into his disciples. I think sometimes we imagine that Jesus was nice. Jesus was always kind, but Jesus could be severe. And that severity is a kindness. It's a mercy. And that's what you have in this encounter. Jesus presses in. He leans in to this group of men and he says, you are in danger. You think about that. Think about everything the disciples had seen. Twice, Jesus taking loaves and fish and multiplying them and feeding thousands. They'd seen a leper cleansed. They'd seen Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. They'd seen the woman with the issue of blood healed. They'd seen the demonized man liberated. Think of all the miracles they'd seen. And the third question of those nine summarizes the great danger for the disciples. Is your heart hardened? Is your heart hardened? Now see, put yourself in those, those sandals. If you were in a, in that culture and you said to Jewish people, is your heart hardened? They knew the text. 
Who's the most famous person in the Bible whose heart was hardened? You know, Pharaoh. Pharaoh saw miracle after miracle after miracle, but every single time he saw a miracle, his heart was what? Hardened. I'm going to tell you this way, friends. No amount of religion... No amount of religion and fellowship and Bible studies, you can surround yourself with all of that all of the time. But one of the things that surrounding yourself with all that all of the time is the potential, listen for it, to your own heart being hardened. So how could that happen? This is why Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that God will give you He's praying for the Ephesian Christians. I'm praying that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your heart will be opened, will be enlightened to know the riches of the grace, the hope, the inheritance that Christ has in his people. I pray for the eyes of your heart to be open. That's what you sang earlier. Open the eyes of my heart. The heart, spiritually speaking, is the organ of sight. And the disciples were in a place where their their hearts were being calloused over. And they were becoming blind. Blind to spiritual realities, seduced by the power of the age, could be overcome by religious hypocrisy. Be careful. How did it manifest itself? In their question. Jesus starts talking to them about spiritual things. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they immediately go, bread, we need, we forgot to bread. Oh, what are we going to do? We don't have enough bread. The hardening of their heart was manifesting itself in these questions. What are we going to do? We don't have enough bread. What are we going to do? I've got this issue over here with my job. What am I going to do? I've got this issue with my family. What am I going to do? I've got this issue with my church. What am I going to do? I've got this issue with my children. What am I going to do? All the time. In the middle of, in the middle of Christian fellowship, going, I'm not sure, Jesus, you are enough for this. That's hardness of heart. And so Jesus takes this man and he stands him in front of him, this blind man. And he does something extraordinary. He spits in his eye. I told you Jesus was not always nice. He spits in his eyes. And he prays for him. He says, how are you doing? And he says, well, I, I'm beginning to see. I see men like trees walking. So Jesus prays again because your heart's eyes being opened is a process. It's not all at once. It's a process that has to has an ongoing work that God has to do in our lives. And he prays again. And then the man says, now I see everything clearly. 
When Paul prays in Ephesians 1, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him so that you may know the surpassing riches of the glory of Christ's inheritance in His people. When he prays that, when you're saying, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, we're not talking about conversion. We're not talking about Paul going down the Damascus Road and, whoa, his eyes are open to the glorious wonder and majesty of Jesus and he's converted. No, Paul's praying for people who are Christians. Christians. These are disciples Jesus is talking to. And he's saying, you are in danger of your heart being hardened. You are in danger of spiritual blindness. You are in danger of falling into this place where you lose sight of the reality of my grace towards you. Your heart could be hardened. You're in danger. Let me come back to that man. He spits on him. He prays. I see men as trees. Praise again. And then his eyes are open. I want you to put yourself right there in that moment. That man is facing Jesus and he opens his eyes. What's the first thing that man sees? He sees the face of Jesus. He sees him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. We don't have any bread. Strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace. Your heart has two options this morning, my friends. Your heart will either be hardened or it will be ruined. So what do you mean? Ruined. Because when that man saw Jesus, think about it, he saw Jesus, everything else went away. I'm concerned about my family, I'm, I'm concerned about my career, I'm concern, concerned about my 401k, I'm concerned about my kids, I'm concerned about my marriage, I'm concerned about what's going on in the world, I'm concerned about this, I'm concerned about that. All of these things can serve to harden your heart. It's religious hypocrisy, it's political power, all doing its work in us to drag us down to being captives to the spirit of this age. But if you see Jesus, if with John on the Isle of Patmos you see him and he saw his face like the sun shining in its strength, blazing down on him, the kind of, the kind of vision that makes you go, my goodness. When you see the beauty and the majesty and the glory and the wonder and the splendor of Jesus, oh my friend, I've been studying scripture and theology and philosophy. All of these years, languages. If you took all the theologians in all the world and laid them end to end, you still wouldn't reach a conclusion. If you do all of this, you'll still wrestle with doubts. You'll still have questions. But every time the doubts and the questions gang up on me and rise up on me, I go, yeah, but I saw Jesus. And so all of those doubts and all of those questions go away because I've seen Him. 
and the beauty and the wonder of His face has become my inheritance. I am ruined for everything else. I am with the psalmist when he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My economy is crumbling. My marriage won't last. This is a mess. That's a mess. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My friend, your heart has two options. You can be ruined for this world by the beauty of Jesus. Or you will be hardened by this world and miss the beauty of Jesus. Beware. Watch out. You say, well, pastor, what's the answer? You need Jesus this morning to spit in your eyes. You need him to say to you, come here. And to begin to take you into a process where that apostolic prayer is is answered and God begins to open the eyes of your heart. God does not want you to have churchianity. He wants you to have His Son. He does not want you to have a mere religious practice. He wants you to have a relationship with the Father that will never end. He doesn't want your vision filled with the images of this age which will pass away, but with the beauty and the splendor of the majestic Holy King that will live forever. And this morning, if you know you need your eyes to be healed, you need, Lord, ruin me with a vision of you. You know that's what you need. Then I invite you to pray with me and say, Lord, capture my heart. Don't let it get hard. Let's pray. Lord, we need you to touch the eyes of our heart. We need you to pour out the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. So that our, the eyes of our heart can be open to the riches of the inheritance that is Christ's in his people. Lord, like John, we need to look past the candlesticks and see the one who's face is like the sun shining in its strength and be so captured by the vision of his glory that we would sing with the psalmist whom have we in heaven but you and besides you besides you besides you we desire nothing else we want you lord please come and do work in our heart the work in our heart we need to take the plaque out of the arteries, to take the hardness, the stony coldness, the calluses from the eyes of our heart and ruin us forever with the matchless beauty of Jesus.